This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Eric Branson, and with me as always is my friend and co-host, Joe Peterson. Joe, how's it going? It's going great, how are you? I'm good, and our, our very favorite co-host, uh, Ryan Stiskel, is with us again this evening. How's it going, Ryan? Oh, you know, as well as it can go with all these allergies this season. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> we, we just had a 20-minute conversation, an old man gripe about how... Uh, yeah, we're all suffering from various allergy-related symptoms. And, I know it's um, bad because my knee's swollen. <laughs> <laughs> that always happens when the mold count's high. <laughs> oh, I've seriously been on the Weather Channel app checking mold counts every morning. That's how bad it's been. So I'm, you know, it's anyway, it's been miserable. <laughs> yeah, and it's just getting started because fall is really the worst, and it's August still, guys. It's like no, you know what? I have pre-fall. started to see like a couple. In, in at least this part of Wisconsin, I've already seen uh, some trees that are starting to change a little bit, or at least a few branches here and there. So I, I have a feeling we're going to get hit with a really quick fall. I think yeah. we had a, a brief summer, and, and then it's going to get just it's going to drop. That's that's my old man weather prediction. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm ready. I am glad we've added the allergy forecast to the weather segment of the Video Junkyard podcast. That's right. Too, so. That's right. It's, it's <laughs> the podcast is it is aging as well as we are. <laughs> that's probably not good no. no 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 that's not good at all but uh so what are we going to be uh chatting about this week well um this week we are going to be chatting about if we're diving right into things i'm just kidding i don't have anything else to talk about so let's dive right into things um we're going to be talking about the what i would consider to be a classic 1990 film jacob's ladder <laughs> Every day, Jacob Singer goes to work. What's wrong? It's one of those days. And every day, he wonders what is happening to him. Maybe it's the pressure, Jake. They're like demons, Jess. They weren't human. What were they, Jake? Then look at your hand. You have a very strange line. See, according to this, you're already dead. Something's wrong, Jake. They're coming after me. I don't know who they are or what they are, but they're gonna get me, and I'm scared, Jake. I've seen them too. Maybe the demons are real. He's running 106 feet with. This is barbaric. I can get rid of the demons. Who are you? I can block the ladder. Where are you taking me? Where am I? Where do you want to go? Home. This is your home. You're dead. I'm not dead. What are you then? I'm alive. 
this is one that... I know we were talking briefly, Joe, before we uh, started recording tonight about our history with this film. Um, but this is one that I saw... Oh, I, I was placing it in high school, but maybe it was while I was in college. But uh, they just kind of like blew the back of my head off. Like this was... Um, yeah. Choice words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess before we get into it, I, yeah. we, again, we talked about this. This is one that might be a little bit sensitive to spoilers. Like if there's people out there that haven't seen Jacob's Ladder, um, perhaps you might want to go. Tr- so. yeah, I mean, it is a film from 1990, so I have you know a limited amount of sympathy for you know if you're interested in this and haven't seen it yet. But I mean, maybe you're just hearing of it now or you know recently with the remake um, getting ready to come out next week. Actually, yeah, there's a remake. So if yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wow. So if you haven't seen Jacob's Ladder, we usually um, don't put these like severe like spoiler warnings because yeah, it's an older movie, but. Right. In this case, I think I am going to say, if you haven't seen Jacob's Ladder, go out and see it before you listen to the rest of the show. Because it's really going to be impossible for us to not spoil this movie and still talk yeah. about this movie. Like, I think you just can't do it. But Right, right. And yeah, I think my first time seeing this, as we were talking about, uh, actually, uh, an ex-girlfriend in college showed me this one. Um and it it was she showed a lot of movies and most of them i was like oh okay but this one was um this one was an instant connection to it uh and i remember running out and buying it on dvd as soon as i could uh, as soon as i could find it and i think ryan i think i lent you my copy (laughs) you did this for me this is one of those movies where joe's like hey you gotta watch this movie you're gonna love it i'm like okay (laughs) And then I come back traumatized, and he's like, it was good, right? And I'm like, yeah, it was fucking good. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, I can't maybe, fucking sleep. Maybe maybe, yeah. maybe you're going to love this is a, is a strong, misleading phrase. It's more like, <laughs> this is... I should have said, this is one you should really watch. I mean, that yeah. has a, a soberness to it. Um, this but, is going to change your life, and maybe not for the better. But. Yeah. But yeah so, it's heavy. So, so it's this fucking one was, heavy. was directed yeah. by uh, Adrian Lin, who was known for... Uh, films such as Indecent Proposal, Nine and a Half Weeks, Fatal Attraction, uh, and also mm-hmm. Flashdance, of all things. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that until looking over uh, stuff prior to the show that he was... I, I did know some of those other ones you mentioned, but Flashdance, I did not didn't realize <laughs> equate that, with yeah. him. But, yeah. but this one, um, apparently, though, the, the writer, uh, Bruce Joel Rubin, who wrote this one, said that he... So the movie came out in 90. He actually started... Um, working up a script to this uh gosh going back years before uh so he had really shopped this one around um uh this is something he, he was trying to get made and i i'm trying to remember what studio i think it was um universal pictures um said we love it but it's not for our studio <laughs> Yeah. So it was. It wasn't that nobody wanted it. It was just they didn't know how to market it. Because one of the best reviews I think I've read of this film before we really get into the discussion is that it's not an easy movie to watch. It's not something that you go back and say, "Boy, I really want to watch that one again." Unless you, <laughs> you have know, a damn good the reason. Good movie to. of this the is, year. It's like, this is my comparison <laughs> to this actually because this is Logan. This movie reminded me of Logan, where it's like, this is really good and deep. I can't watch that again. <laughs> like, it's one of those it, films. This like movie Bambi hits really hard, and it, 
Well, and I guess before we go any further, Eric, do you want to do you want to give a, a short synopsis of it? Yeah, I'll give my good old uh, back read off the back of the DVD box um, synopsis for um, Jacob's Ladder. And in this harrowing psychological thriller, Jacob Singer is a Vietnam vet haunted by the memories of war and the death of his young son. As Jacob starts to experience visions of demons all around him, he begins to question what is real. Is he going insane? Is he suffering from post-traumatic stress? Or could he be caught in the middle of some horrific supernatural battle he can't understand? Directed by Adrian Lin, Jacob's Ladder takes you on a terrifying ride into one man's descent into hell. End, end synopsis. So, um, Which, <laughs> actually, given the, the uh, resolution of the film, I'm not sure... They kind of got that a uh, little backwards, but anyway. Yeah, um. yeah, it really is. So, <laughs> so essentially, I mean, okay. So again, we've warned everybody about spoilers, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you haven't seen, if it, you haven't seen it, turn off. Oh, seriously, we're gonna. Re- yeah. <laughs> you're, three, two. You've been warned. One. You've been warned. Okay. What you're watching in this film is a person. What what they're experiencing in their head as they're dying. Yes. It's, maybe. Yes, you know, you're, you're you're seeing <laughs> essentially the entire film is kind of like, well, I mean, hell, the the working title of it and the other title for it is Dante's Inferno. <laughs> it's yeah, right, you know, it's um. Well, and Jacob's Ladder is a is a reference to something straight out of Purgatorio, I believe. Yeah, like Jacob's Ladder is actually a physical part of Purgatory, as described in in the second part of inferno but yeah well yeah and it, in fact the the phrase jacob's ladder um comes actually it's biblical um mm-hmm. it's uh genesis twenty eight twelve, which i've prepared <laughs> <laughs> um genesis twenty eight twelve, old testament thank you of brother course. joseph yes no. <laughs> i i am ordained he had he had a Is dream a in which he saw a stairway like a resting on the earth which its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending onto it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it even when, so okay when when Sixth Sense came out, which this is was a major inspiration for, regardless of what anybody says, right? Um, yeah, I mean how how could you not? It, right. When, you know one of the good things about the Sixth Sense, Sixth Sense is a good two viewing movie. Right, you watch, you get through the sixth yep. sense, and then you're like, "Oh shit, big reveal!" And then you watch it a second time to see if you can catch that all the hints were there in front of you the whole time. This movie is similar. You so when I rewatched it just the other night for in, in preparation for the show, um, you know, I already know the ending, so I'm watching it and I'm noticing, and holy shit, it is staring you in the face the entire movie. Yeah, you know, once you know what's going on, it, then you can. The cool thing is that it, in kind of the way you said about the sixth sense is you can go back through and then start to like piece together what the movie's really about once you know the outcome. Because um, I think not only is it about like you know experiencing what the mind experiences, subconscious mind experiences before you die, it's also about you know dealing with PTSD, dealing with you know. Um, loss, dealing with um, all of these things that he's trauma. He's yeah, it's a lot yeah. of trauma. Yep, exactly. It does so a working... really good job of showing traumatic imagery, and I think that's the strongest thing about this film is the imagery. And like, still to this day, I didn't rewatch this, mind you. Like, I because I, it's still that buried into my head <laughs> from yeah. like five years ago, maybe more. Yeah, I'm gonna say five years ago. And it's like no, I still remember it. I don't need to rewatch it. I was, I was. 
stern on that like nope once is good i don't <laughs> this is a hard movie to watch a second time. it's hard um it is i mean there, there's so i, I want to mention something about you know the cast you got tim robbins who plays jacob singer um uh elizabeth pena is in it as his girlfriend jezebel or jesse which is, mm-hmm. is also right there right <laughs> yeah. um danny Ayeo as his doctor it's like chiropractor. <laughs> chiropractor. <laughs> yeah, his chiropractor. His um, odd voice of reason. He's, he's his Yoda in this movie, kind of. Well, right? he's essentially kind of an angel in a way. I mean, it, there's right. Yeah. The, what there's there's the a ki- scene the... in it where the the whole thing is kind of revealed, but not revealed. Where he's just ex- Jacob has just experienced this this horrific beating. Actually, he gets like thrown out of a car and beaten to hell. And he's in uh, Danny Ayo's room, and he's getting you know he's you know he's massaging him and popping his bones back in socket and stuff like that. And Lu- and Louis, his doctor, chiropractor, or whatever, um, tells him about essentially coming to terms with guilt and how yeah. you know some cultures believe that when you die, uh, the only thing that burns in hell are your material thoughts. So demons become angels. Demons are burning away at your guilts, what you're holding on to, your memories. And naturally, you're going to cling to those memories as you're dying, right? But once you have resolve, you ascend, and you're at peace. And that's... All like right there, and when you rewatch <laughs> the movie, you're like, "Holy shit, it's all right there!" And it's a yeah, he, it's a blow. He was telling us what, was, yeah, what was going on the whole time, but it's, and then it's yeah. yeah, go sorry, go ahead, Ryan. I was just gonna say it's it's a very interesting set. It's a deep message, essentially saying like, "Hey, if you're gonna die, just just let go, <laughs> don't yeah. fight it," and that that comes from your fame. Um, family neighborhood friendly uh chiropractor which yeah. lo- the lobbyist paid heavy <laughs> to like trust Ayo, your chiropractor man. which nowadays it's just like eh, i don't think you're a real doctor but i gotta say the last <laughs> time we talked about danny Ayo on the show was in the movie hudson hawk and i much yes. prefer him in this one um one of the other things i wanted to mention too is the character of jezebel played by elizabeth pena she's uh, you know she's his girlfriend in this and that's she a takes perfect dirty dance into a whole new level. Oh yeah, there's there's a <laughs> In the most nightmarish way possible. She's also a good representation of what Louis is telling him on that table about letting go yeah. and about angels becoming demons, demons becoming angels, and vice versa. And that's because some of her character is very caring and loving of him, and at other times she's very abusive. I mean, so yeah, you was got, gonna say she kind of no. changes with what he's going like what he's going through or maybe what he needs at the time. Like I, I yeah, her character's inconsistent, but I think that's intentional. Exactly. Like, um, no, he's sometimes she, yeah, she, like you said, she's very, very loving, very caring, um, soothing, almost like, you know, don't think about all that stuff that's connecting you. Yeah. Like to he's, your he's, past. He's got a box of and, photos and he's weeping over a picture of his son who died. And she <laughs> she takes the him. box and burns him, and she's like, "I don't like things that make you cry." It's like, no, shed mm. these emotions, shed these memories, shed these feelings. You know, you have to be at peace. But it's it's, it's done kind of like her and the, the chiropractor playing good cop, bad cop a little bit at times. But mm-hmm. um, very true. Um, but yeah, and then there's there essentially the opening 
I don't want to say the opening scene of the movie. The opening scene of the movie is him in Vietnam. Um, yeah. And, and it's beautifully crafted as a flashback. All the Vietnam stuff is crafted as a flashback when in reality they're current. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. it's it's happening simultaneously, yeah. right? And yeah. then all the, what you think are, you know, him in New York having these Vietnam flashbacks, those are actually his, what his brain is doing. Um, it's, it's so well crafted because... It's very surreal. The whole time... Yeah, it's very surreal, and and the way that Jacob and his, you know, what you think is his post-Vietnam life is so detached from everything that he seemed to have beforehand, and um, yeah, once you find out what's really going on, it's like, it, it, it's, it makes so much sense, like he's just kind of detached himself away from uh, everything, and maybe, maybe in an attempt subconscious attempt to you know run away from death or whatever not not let go of everything clinging on to these things like he's clutching onto the box of pictures and and all this um i i'd see it kind of like the metaphor is like he like the moment his final moments of death he just wants to go home and he mm -hmm. does in this this surreal timeline separate universe type thing that got set up here but he wants to go home, but home's not really there. And it's constantly reminding him throughout yeah. the movie. And that feeling of, like, you're home, but you're alone. Hence, like, the abusive but caring, like, partner, you know, like, this isolation from the world uh, represented through, you know, uh, a veteran having PTSD, like, being reintroduced into society, but carried over even in his uh, his death dream, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, yeah, there's... there's um. So there's three settings for this movie. You have Vietnam. You have his life in New York with Jesse, where most of the film takes place. And then mm -hmm. you have the setting of him with his wife and children, but he's lost one son, who's played by uncredited Macaulay Culkin. And he blames yes. himself for that, that death because he got hit by a car on his bike, and he blames himself for not watching hard of what you know tragic thing any parent would would do, right? I would say there's um, there's another there's another environment, and that's that's the city itself, and like these demonic changes that happens within it. It's usually like when he's alone, like but like, like being locked in the yeah. subway station. Yeah, yeah like it's like the city mention. itself is transformed. Like when he's no, near nobody, it's a whole new. It is, like, but that's still kind of happening in the Jezebel. Yeah timeline that's all happening right. like with her in it that's what i mean yeah that's totally true though i agree that like anytime he's alone it's like some shit's gonna go down uh Always. I think when, you go, you know. when you jump back and look at all of it again once you know what's going on you see how disjointed everything is and it how really like is. reality doesn't really work right in that timeline but it's so weird that it does it the first time you see the film that no, none of that occurs to you no and in fact um, th this also has some legitimately scary scenes in it there are some oh, skin yeah. like, this is crawling scenes in this some movie. really well crafted um, nightmares. And, you know, to jump out of the the philosophical part of it, but like the yeah, the, the interesting fact about this movie is that there are zero post production special effects in this movie. Everything was done in camera. Uh huh. Um, so the effect that they use on these demon creatures is by you know shooting um, basically it's super slow motion, and then pretty when it's projected back and. Uh, it gives them this kind of like bug-like twitchy. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how to describe it, but they vibrating look like faces. Parts of their bodies and... are vibrating in super fast motion. Um, it's incredibly effective and imitated very often. But this is the first time I remember seeing this effect was in yeah. this film. 
Um, I could be wrong. Like maybe maybe they borrowed it from somewhere else, but I know they uh, often imitated after this. But um, there are some subtle creature effects in this that are very Cronenberg-like. Um, oh god! Yeah, you know, like you'll you'll see the demons that are around him. They're not running around with like pitchforks and wings and all that. It's it's they're more like deformities. Like there's a tail that you kind of catch, and it, it it looks like a deformed. It's it's it actually it's kind of phallic. You know, it's almost like a mm-hmm. weird prehensile penis. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, yep. Weird flapping of wings, but the wings are more like deformed chicken wings without feathers. It's just this bizarre. Don't don't yeah. skip the the one really nightmarish thing when you talked about the phallic part, like the true the true. Oh, the like, dance cringe, like yeah, primo the... resistance type. I don't know. <laughs> Just a party scene when the yeah she's entirely penetrated by the yeah. out the, the mouth from the, from mouth. the back out the mouth and it it's yeah. it's used as a jump scare and yeah. it's just like <laughs> well oh there's... that's that's the moment that that moment and the hallway scene those are the two moments where I'm like yeah I can't rewatch this I'm not gonna I don't want this back in my head the hallway <laughs> right? scene which hallway scene which hall yeah it's I think it's more near the end where he's in when he's strapped down to the table oh and he's being through the hospital. The hospital, yep. and you see and the they, body parts and blood everywhere. They wheel him into like the, yeah. There's some really great like nightmarish stuff. And what's weird is, and it seems I think the it reason seems this... together, yeah. Like it starts yeah. normal and transforms. <laughs> it's it's like, and it well, feels it's a like a descent into hell. It's a descent yeah. into hell. It's kind and of I will like be a... honest with you guys is I I'm a fairly fairly hard person to shake. Like movies don't usually like get under my skin. I mean I love them and I I I. I enjoy the you know special effects and the shock value and, and stuff like that but rarely does anything actually like kind of bug me where i walk away from the movie and it just hangs with me and it wasn't necessarily like the the, the effects or the, the the scariness of anything but just the general feeling of some of the some of the like nightmare images in this and also the general feeling of not being able to trust reality and, and certainly that's been done in other movies but it's done so well here that it like really messes with my head and, and, uh-huh. and i think as an older viewer now um when i sense a little bit more i have a sense of the loss here because um you know being an older person who has a family and right and all this stuff like you get this like really like gut punch that i think i didn't get from from it when i was younger and saw it um not that not that i'm saying ryan that you don't understand it because you (laughs) obviously i I think you do but um but it just it just got under my skin that much that much more and i think i've always had like this kind of like little bit of secret fear of i don't even know know if there's a name for it but like that my current like reality or whatever life is that one day I'm just going to wake up and that's going to be like fictional. Right. Or it's going to be like, I'm going to be back at some point earlier in my life and and, and where I was unhappy or I wasn't, you know, something. And this was all some sort of fantasy or da, 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 da. I'm sure everyone's had a fear like that. Well, absolutely. And I think I don't want to, we've, we've done this before, so I want to be cautious, but I don't want to like put everything back on. Well, you know, in Lovecraft works, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but one right. of the things that's common in those in Lovecraft themes is insanity, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it really is, captures that, and, and this really captures that the fear of in, of insanity. Like I've I've had that similar kind of fear you're talking about, where you're just something strikes you at a moment, like what if all of a sudden now is when I find out that 
what I think have been the last 20 years have all been a hallucination, <laughs> and I'm actually insane. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, that kind it's of... Or it was like... Just or it was fear, a situation... The despair. The despair yeah. that comes with it, too, with Jacob yeah. just being a... He's he's tortured in every level of his ladder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, and yeah. the, But the whole point of it is that it's kind of his own doing, but it's totally normal. Like... You know, right. that you're, you're, he's gripping to memories because the, I'll, I'll be honest, the part that freaks me out, when I was, when I first saw this movie, the stuff that freaked me out about it was the vibrating faces and stuff. Because yeah. I hadn't seen that Which before. is all done very well. It's, it's got a great score. It's, it's a really well-crafted yeah. horror movie. And anyway, go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say, the, about the, that the stuff that, the, the scene I've found that, since rewatching it, has haunted me for about a week now, is... So he gets in this accident, you know, or he gets beat up. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's strapped to the gurney, goes through the hallway. There's the blood and guts in the gurney. It gets worse and worse and worse, like you're talking about. He sees the crazy doctors who tell him he's dead, right? <laughs> Why are yep. you here if you're alive? And they inject him. And all of a sudden, he is now in a hospital room, and his wife and kids come in. And they're t- and she's you can tell they're they're separated. You think you're and you essentially you're back in like the Jezebel timeline. He's <clears> in the <throat> hospital and his estranged wife and kids have come to see him, and she says to him, "For what it's worth, I still love you." And he has this look of kind of like okay, that you know, calm on his face. And from off camera, a voice, this disembodied voice, just goes, "Dream on." <laughs> and he yeah. reacts to it. Nobody else does. My, I have goosebumps just repeating it. Yeah, that yeah. There's, there's a bunch shit. of moments in this movie that just oh. like, just stay with me, and that's yeah. I think that's why I love it so much. But but also I kind of agree with Ryan. Like this is not something I'm gonna go watch again next week. Like it's it's oh, tough. No. It's a hard. <laughs> but it, movie but to I think watch. it's so well made that it's it's certainly something I'll revisit eventually when I feel like I'm brave enough to do it again. But, but you know the the power of a film like this too. Uh, there, there's something to be said for when this came out in 1990. Uh, in the early 90s, a few years after it, this was a common film that was screened for support groups of people that had been recently diagnosed with HIV and AIDS. In, yeah. in, in in support groups. Uh, you know, that was back when getting HIV or AIDS was a death sentence. And of course today, luckily, it's it's something that, you know, it's not good obviously, but it has it's much more manageable now. Um, but this was a very common film to be screened in those kind of support groups because it is about coming to terms with the end of your life. It is not a pleasant topic. And mm, yeah. for all of the films that have been inspired by this, including I don't want to leave out the uh, Silent Hill video game franchise, which I'm not yeah. that familiar with. I just know it exists, I'm and I know it's familiar with it all. But I know they did some, yeah, yeah some of the imagery and, um, th- I mean, thematically, I think inspired too. Yeah, but, but it it this is a very, mu- I think, a more powerful film about its it, subject matter than anything that's come along since. It's like yeah. the hospice of films. <laughs> <laughs> like your terminal <laughs> your terminal uh gonna have to face the facts it's yeah. like and, and that's they spell what it, it out it makes you kind yeah. of face mortality you know well and they they spell it out for you at the end when you do see him on the gurney back in 1971 in vietnam in the triage tent and the doctors declare him dead and they said wow 
look at him. He almost, he kind of looks like he's at peace. He put up one hell of a fight, though. <laughs> it's like, that's <laughs> right. what was happening. Um, yeah. But it's done well, we, so well. We, we didn't even touch on the fact that there is a subplot of, um, you know, government testing yes. psychological warfare on, on soldiers in Vietnam as well yes. going on. Right. So that's yes. something that the the film the film plays with you and it lets you kind of believe certain different levels of things are going on the whole time. So that it gets you at points thinking like, oh, okay, well this is like it's a government some, conspiracy of some kind. Yeah, they're after him because you know he's tests. onto this conspiracy. Yeah. But then you're definitely seeing things that are more like demons than government agents and, and et cetera. And so you're never quite quite convinced that any one is the truth, I don't think. And it turns out that Perhaps none of them are, except that at the end, very, very end of the film, Adrian Lin has decided to include like an inform informational slide about the government testing psychedelic yeah. warfare or psychedelic drugs and, you know, in use for uh, on soldiers in Vietnam, leading right. me to think, well, OK, well, he ta he he himself puts some some credence into and the writer as well into that aspect of the film. So. Perhaps you know. Perhaps we're not saying everybody goes through this at at the point when they're you're dying. Maybe it's you know his um, being subjected to large amounts of psychotropic drugs prior to being killed um, has something to do with it. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I'm honestly that's one of the things that just it's interesting about the movie, and I don't think it hurts it necessarily. But it's kind of a side note when it comes to the end. Like it doesn't. Yeah. I'm not sure it even matters, and I'm not sure it needed to be there. Yeah, uh, I, I think it was it was kind of throw-in. It's a bit of a red herring. It kind of doesn't really do anything for the film. Uh, in fact, if anything, it just kind of confuses it a little bit because it leaves you with this feeling of, oh, wait, was that supposed to be more important? Because usually those post-film slides are like, you know, what happened to somebody or to tie this into a true story. Uh, and um, uh, Lynn mentions that he put this in because it was inspired from a a book by Martin A. Lee called Acid Dreams, the CIA, LSD, and the 60s Rebellion. Yeah. And then he later said, oh, by the way, there was nothing in the book that suggested that this drug, uh, you know, BZ or, ben, you know, three quinucleal benzylate, I can't pronounce it right now, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, this super hallucinogen, um, there was nothing in there about how uh, that it was ever used on U.S. troops. That was just something that he threw in. Yeah, um, so I thought that was a weird choice. So that would be one of my one of my gripes with it is I'm not sure that whole I didn't even, I didn't mind it as a red herring. I just don't really understand why why they legitimized it with that yeah. at the end. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the use of it in the film was was good because it's it to me it reminded me of one of the stages of grief. Mm -hmm. You know, the, it's a paranoia. It's a piece of paranoia. It's a piece like. of paranoia. It's trying. It's trying to uh, come up with excuses. Mm -hmm. It's trying or, to or, find or, accountability in the fact. Yeah, that to blame just, somebody a yeah, little bit. Say they did this to me. You know, um, right? Which may, to a certain extent, be true of anybody you know serving in that conflict. But, but um, yeah, to 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 blame somebody. And if anything, that little. By by putting that thing at the end, which kind of tries for whatever the inspiration was or whatever the reasoning was to put it in there, especially when he's coming out in an interview saying, "Oh yeah, no, I just made that up," you know, yeah. um, <laughs> that kind of it's like, well, 
then why'd you put it in? Because if, if nothing else, it actually gives the Vietnam subplot a potentially larger influence than it actually was. Because even Alan Marshall, um, who, uh, I don't think we mentioned this, but he was the producer. Mm-hmm. Um, he had even mentioned regarding the Vietnam. So Vietnam was, quote, Vietnam was a means to an end. It was a plot device rather than something we were trying to make a huge issue of. But by putting in that post slide, it kind of suggested yeah. that there was something. And so I don't know. Again, I don't think it hurts the film. It was just, it's an odd choice. And it I'm could have been sure a, it could have been a studio edition. Like, you know, one of those, like, Hey, add this in here to make it seem like it's a different story in case no one digs that you're dying and going to hell or <laughs> heaven crap. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Right. yeah I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it is an odd, it was a very odd choice for whatever yeah. the reason was. It um, stands out. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of studio interference or kind of the way that films change after they've been completed and, and, and um, Adrian Lynn claim, claimed that this didn't play well for test audiences and uh, that yeah. they ended up trimming 20 minutes of what he can, he quote unquote called horrific images were deleted from the film. Um, most of them being from the ending third of the movie. Um, once I read that and it did, so to its credit, I don't f- totally feel like watching Jacob's Ladder, like you feel it, the horror aspect of it fall off. Um, but after reading that, I kind of went, okay, you're right. The, the first two thirds of this are solidly a horror film. And then it turns into something a little different the, it works and it's fine, but I've always been curious, like, okay, well, what, what was there that they, you know, what, like what depths did they make this character <laughs> crawl into, um, before, you know, coming to his, the eventual ending of the film. Um, if they deleted 20 minutes of stuff from it, like, well, I'm not sure. I'm not saying I'm, I, the film needs it necessarily. I'm not saying I miss it in the movie. I'm just curious what exactly it would have been. Tailed. Well, there's 13 minutes of deleted scenes. Um, or there's three deleted scenes that equal about 13 minutes that are on the DVD. Bonus yes, feature. and they actually are on the on the Blu-ray that I have yeah. uh, from the library. I, sh- I should check those out. And but. and one of them is when uh, Michael, the guy that he meets, who's giving, who's telling him about the experimental drug and the ladder and everything, he's giving him an antidote, and it's a very long scene where essentially you see one of these demons trying to break through the ceiling, mm-hmm. uh, and they don't show it all. But you see enough of it to where your brain can start to fill in some of the gaps. And again, that's where it gets really Cronenberg. Um, yeah. It gets pretty messed up. And I guess there's another scene where Jesse is kind of doing a weird transformation. And um, there's a lot of short clips that I haven't seen that are also that were deleted. Um, apparently, there's a scene where he sees a, a man getting raped. Uh, like down a subway or something like that. There's just some weird little flashy stuff like that flash imagery. Um, like the distorted city that we were talking about, things like... Um, yeah. Yeah, there's there's some really great settings in this. In fact, you, know, you mentioned the whole thing about getting locked in the subway, which is right after Vietnam, and we're led to believe mm-hmm. he's waking up to, you know, the 80s, and he's on the subway... And that was a flashback, but actually, that's that's really him I entering know, the tunnel. Entering and well, <laughs> in, in one of the one of the descriptions I've heard about this that I tend to agree with is that the whole movie is essentially purgatory. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. 
So whether that, or not, and just interestingly, yeah. I I, th- I don't think it has to be a religious purgatory. It's whether or not you want to take it that way. Yeah. But it, it is purgatory as in it's the process the brain goes through to get, come to grips with dying, right? So either right. way, you're... Right, exactly. But he's in this purgatory-like state, and the first thing he has to do, which is I can now totally see like the Dante's Inferno the inspiration too, is get out of this subway. But mm. it's locked, so he has to do some very dangerous things to try to get out of a subway that he's trapped in, in on the subway platform in New York. Um, and he has to ascend out of that into this kind of world of mental judgment, right? And and coming to peace before he can go one way or the other. Uh, or, or stay in purgatory, essentially. Uh, stay in that, that mental state. Yeah, th- this is one that... I, I agree with you that this is not a movie that you want to watch regularly. You know, it, it's it's draining, but at the same time, watching it again, I feel like I should watch it more than I do, because I think it's it's, it's very well done, and it's yeah. um, yeah, I, I I think it's it's so effectively like I know people have have talked we we've compared it to the Sixth Sense a couple of times already, but people talk about the Sixth Sense being. The, what's most successful about that movie is not only a twist ending the first time you see it, but also the fact that it works throughout the film. Like yeah. You can go back and you can like test it and, it, and it holds up. And I think this one does too, uh, in a different way though, because this one is so kind of surreal and um, the narrative kind of leaps into a bunch of different places. The Sixth Sense is pretty straightforward. It's very careful and the clues are laid out very carefully. And, and um, so that's what works well about that movie. But this is kind of a different beast because it's also got such a strong philosophical slash religious element to it um, that it leaves a lot of things open to viewers interpretation which kind of maybe makes it a little easier to get away with some of the stuff but either way it works nicely Um, it leaves a mystery to it like it exposes like this mysterious world and still leaves you like feeling like there's still a grander mystery like yeah. beyond like it adds to that thought um i would say yeah so absolutely it it sticks it sticks on so many levels whether you want it to or not <laughs> yeah it yeah. does <laughs> this one sticks with you like and like i said more than like I, it's not the only movie that's ever done that to me, but it's one of those that just, like, this one's stuck in the back of my head for a long time. And I think it's just because it kind of keys in on so many of the fears that we kind of all innately have about mortality, right? Or whatever. It's a truth you don't want to think like, about. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's it pretty, is. It, but that's, it makes I think, why. I think that's why I say it's something that I I think we that people should see. Um, yeah. Because yeah, even, sure. even if well, you don't also, like horror films and you don't like graphic, you know, there's not a lot of gore in it. But, you know, there's there's a bit enough to make you uncomfortable. And I think that's the point is it's yeah. about letting go. It's um, I, I, Lynn also. Said, so essentially, I just wanted to mention, he said that the movie was a, the story was originally inspired by a nightmare that he had where he was trapped in a subway station and it kind of grew out of that and not only is it you know um inspired by inferno from dante but also um the interpret it was it it's perceived as a interpretation of quote liberation through hearing during the intermediate states from the tibetan book of the dead Hmm. yeah 
Uh, and Lin himself was also, he spent a couple of years in, in a, a Tibetan Buddhist monastery in Nepal. So you're talking about uh, the writer, right? Yeah, Ruben. Ruben. I'm sorry, not not Lin. Uh, yeah, Ruben. Yeah, what's the his writer. name? Um, something Ruben. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, uh, Bruce. Bruce Joel Ruben. Yeah, my mistake. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, the this inspiration kind of came out of out of that, and even you know the, the comment you made about having that you know maybe I'm the only one who has this this kind of slight fear of what if this is all <laughs> not real? I think that's very common. Uh, it's just something nobody oh, yeah. wants to talk about. Right, uh, and, and similarly with these kind of things, everybody has things that they feel bad about and things that they stuff down inside, and you know, or maybe secrets, or maybe it's things you feel guilty about, or you know, maybe it goes back to childhood or whatever. These are all the things that it's telling you to let go of when it's time to let go of them, and that's the demons that haunt you. The demons that haunt you, but yeah. the 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 part again that I, I mentioned before, where his chiropractor friend Louis, um, you know, is is doing what chiropractors do um he's he's actually quoting a a christian mystic uh meister eckhart from the 14th century actually uh and i have the direct quote here which is really really an (laughs) awesome quote from the movie the only thing Mm -hmm. that burns in hell is the part of you that won't let go of life your memories and your attachments they burn them all away but they're not punishing you they're freeing your soul cleansing yeah if you're frightened of dying and you're holding on you'll see devils tearing your life away but if you've made your peace then the devils are really angels freeing you from the earth see that's that's that's, like a really poetic way of just like depicting like pain that's unavoidable it's like yeah it's kind of like a necessary destruction like you have to go through pain or destruction to have rebirth you know renewal and uh peace yep yeah, it's really for as as horrific and difficult of a movie as this is. It's really quite beautiful. It is. You know, yeah, it, it is. It, I, I think it has it just better than maybe anything else that I can think of off the top of my head. Kind of deals with the human fear of of dying, mortality. You know, just kind of hits all of those notes, and that's why it's so scary, and also why at the end of it, it actually is, like you said, quite beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> like it ends yeah. up. Um, yeah, so. so. Well, if we anyway, had to, so if we had to grade to it, boil all of that down to a letter grade. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. What do you think, Eric? Um, you know, for me, this is like um, this is probably like a B plus, and I'm gonna knock it down a little bit from an A just because it does have a couple of stumbles here. I'm not sure they're um talked about like kind of the Vietnam acid government conspiracy thing that that I feel like derails it a little bit. Um, and maybe that's actually like a little bit of a lack of, a lack of synonymous vision between the the writer and the director. But anyway, it does, for me, it hurts it a little bit. Um, but I don't know, in general, it's pretty good. And I, I would recommend it to pretty much anyone. Um, the horrific, the horrific moments are great. Um, it gives you a lot to think about and yeah, it sticks with you. I don't know. It's not, not perfect, but it's, it's great enough. So I'd give it like a B plus probably. Okay. What about you, Ryan? I would I would actually give it an like an A minus for sure. Give it an A minus. Um, I give it, I guess the minus part is for similar to what to what Eric said. It's like that weird little tag on. But regardless of that, like it's it's still like a yeah. I definitely know why that was shared thing. Like I'm re- I'm <laughs> not bitter about it, but it's just like. <laughs> It's one of those like yeah, it's it was it was a deep it was a good movie it really was. Um, 
I learned my lesson from it. I don't need to re- relearn the lesson. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe down the line when I'm when I, when I hit a low point, maybe it was some kind of terminal illness. Maybe, maybe, but definitely doing it sober. Yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna be the the one who gives it the highest one. I guess I'm gonna just give it a solid A. The only thing no, that it... keeps me from giving an A plus is the the Vietnam thing the not the Vietnam thing but the yeah. psychedelic drug thing I feel like that was it was fine in the movie because that to me like is part of the um bargaining in a way like well this isn't you know I I'm using this device uh your brain's coming up with something for you to to help you cope and that's something that I, I personally have experienced I know others have too with with, with dealing with trauma uh that yeah. you mm-hmm. you you seek out a reason uh, your brain will seek out a reason to make sense of what it can't make sense of. So if you're, you know, this character, he's he's going through all this, he feels like he's going crazy. Oh, and here comes somebody telling him, well, of course, because they gave you some crazy drug. Okay, you know, um, whatever. That's the first sign that his brain is willing to make peace with something. It's just not willing to face reality. So I was okay with that. It was just why throw the thing on at the end? The PSA. Yeah. The PSA. PSA. If if it you know if it was legit, okay. But it's not. So why do that? So like I don't know what Lynn was thinking. So that's the only thing I'm gonna say knocking it down because otherwise the performances in this I think are stellar. Um, yeah, for sure. This yeah is, we this didn't was, talk a whole lot about the cast. The cast is pretty incredible. This was though. really the one of the first movies Tim Robbins did uh, that wasn't comedy. He was known for comedy yeah. before this, and now we know. You know, Tim Robbins shows up. I think when I saw the movie War of the Worlds with Sarah, the the Steven Spielberg <laughs> War of the Worlds, when Tim Robbins shows up, she actually said out loud in the theater, "Oh fuck," because he's. You know, <laughs> it was like, did they just stumble across Tim Robbins? Like, hey, we'll put him in the movie. He's already acting like this. Um, but but yeah. So I, overall, all the performances are really quite good, um, and it's a haunting film. It stays with you. But yeah, it's a it's a very tough watch. And if you try hard enough, you can really kind of like convince yourself this is a weird sequel to uh, Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> Ooh, now there's a mashup. There's a mashup. Yeah. 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 Oh, God. Doesn't, should ed- doesn't you know end well do for fan him. edits. Somebody should edit this these two films together in some way that makes sense. Or See, I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to like take two movies <laughs> that just share a word in the title and nothing else but splice them together. You Dude, know, like is... Hotel for Dogs, Hotel Rwanda. Put them together. <laughs> dogs of Rwanda. You work on that one and yeah. show me what you get. At the end. So, so all you do to combine this one, I just jump straight ahead. All you do is you take, you keep all the Vietnam elements, but anytime he goes back to the quote unquote uh, present, which is the the purgatory, it's just him at the prison itself. So Ooh, that final yeah. like scene where he crawls out of the shitter, you don't see him come out of the pipe. You just see him die, like just die on a on a bed in Vietnam, and you're like, well, what the fuck just happened there? <laughs> like that seemed yeah. like a funny that getaway. Actually, what about Morgan? And you see Morgan just still waiting by the boat, but you cut out the part before he comes well, back and you, sees then, him again. You then have to put in like Bruce Almighty because then you got Morgan Freeman as God. Oh my God. Oh God, it's getting. <laughs> If there was any way to lighten Jacob's ladder, this is it. <laughs> well, well, now you just then, mentioned a I mean, darker shit, just, way of. Uh, yeah, throw that scene from War of the Worlds in there too. By the way, yeah, oh, there's that. yeah, yeah. You got that. Throw, <laughs> just do all of Tim Robbins' roles 
you know, <laughs> Bull Durham and just keep throwing them in there and and see how it see how it turns out. Because probably make him cry. That's probably what like, my is brain my is going to be like on my deathbed anyway. <laughs> it's, it's just going to be going through Tim Robbins movies. Just, yeah, know. obviously. See, now you mentioned Bruce Almighty, and I'm like, God, oh, man, can we mash that up with number 23? Like, guy oh, gets the, the abilities of God and, like, wakes up the next day and realizes he's a serial killer? He says the same kind of thing. Like, th- this was the first of these, well... No, it's really not the first. If you really want to go with the first movie that's like Jacob's Ladder, it's Carnival of Souls. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and someone accused that of being it being of a bit of a remake of Carnival of Souls, but Carnival of Souls is a great movie, and it's yeah. got all it's got the same premise, but it's really not a lot deeper than its premise. It's 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 a lot, a lot more similar to to The Sixth Sense, yeah, than Jacob's Ladder. But anyway, um, but that was for that. another day, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but uh, well, we do have a part two of this theme, in a way. Religious horror next, films kind of is that our theme? Kind religious, of like... <laughs> religious horror drama. I mean, because I don't yeah. think either of the films are straight up horror horror. There's a drama aspect it's, it's, to them. It's the start of the '90s having those uh, religious those horror kind films. of religious, <laughs> traumatic, or um, thriller, religious thriller films. Because it's like it dominated the nineties. It, like it did. Stigma, stigma, and shit like that. Like I hated that shit. Yeah, God, there, I hated there were that. some good ones, and some <laughs> will probably revisit on the on the podcast at some point. Yeah. You know, movies like Devil's Advocate and stuff, which or Fallen. Which guess what? That's not what we're talking about next week. But those would be some fun it's ones not. to do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, tune back in next week for our uh, continued discussion on kind of early to mid 90s religious horror films uh and also yeah. make sure you tune in over the next couple of weeks which of course we know that you will uh because of some of the other things that we're going to have coming up we're going to be uh looking at a forgotten franchise also ryan you're going to be joining us for that one too correct yes awesome. yes and yeah, uh is. possibly ideally have an additional guest yes oh, that's right that's right mm-hmm. that's right a newbie. Hopefully. we're gonna Hopefully. we're gonna we're gonna test his metal also be looking at some of uh your picks so you guys uh we asked and um you guys gave us your uh picks you wanted us to listen to or <laughs> take a look at at in the video drink art podcast and we're gonna actually be pairing your picks up with a pick of ours so the same way that we pick movies for the podcast ourselves so one of us will throw out a movie and then we'll be like okay well we'll pair that up with something similar we use that idea to kind of pair up our um audience picks with uh something of ours so um yeah anyway we're gonna be doing many of those as well as we're going to be taking a look at tales from the crypt movies we're taking a look at some george romero Wes craven um forgotten films we won't call them forgotten films but like lesser classics yeah joe reminds us Um, of them we don't don't lots of great stuff coming up the latter part of the year here on the video junkyard podcast and i hope you will continue to join us yeah so as well as you ryan thank you for joining us and i hope you will continue we just said you're going to continue to join us so yeah spoiler alert but yeah i made a commitment eric (laughs) i made a commitment but yeah coming up after these two episodes we are going to be talking about the forgotten franchise i I, i'm I'm willing to spoil it what forgotten franchises are going to be talking about we're going to be talking about the dark man series which yeah this was before superhero movies were even a thing really and uh 
It's ba- it's back when a superhero director couldn't get the rights to an actual superhero and goes, well, fine, fuck, I'll do it myself. And he did, <laughs> Sam Raimi. And then he gets job. a superhero franchise like ten years later, so That's it worked right. out. <laughs> it totally worked out. So yeah, we got all that. We got these these we're gonna do the fun tales from the crypt movies. We've got some of the Stephen King stuff. We're also gonna be taking a look at Barry Lyndon sometime down the line. But uh, also because it's a really um, interesting one to talk about and. A, you know a rather deep movie as we as we have said a million times if you've seen jacob's ladder have any theories about you know what it's about or the effects that it had on you um please write and let us know you can send us an email at video junkyard podcast at gmail.com or send us a comment on our facebook page or via the facebook group um we would love to hear your thoughts about that movie or any movie we review here on the podcast and as we always say if you take the time to write it we'll take the time to read it and we will feature your review on the show that's right and feel free to drop us a line on our email which is video podcast at gmail.com video junk pod on twitter or as you said find us on the facebook group or our regular facebook page we might also have other social media accounts i've kind of lost track <laughs> we, do. we do we're uh we're on instagram we're on twitter we're on facebook those are the only ones i'm really active with um or we're really active with, but yeah, we're we're out there. We're out there. So, <laughs> want to thank everybody for listening to the Video Junker podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Branson. and I'm Ryan Seiskel. Have a good evening. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go. Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast, on Twitter at video junk pod, and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard.